Good morning, Grace Church. Glad to see everybody here today. If you're glad to be here, would you clap your hands just as an expression to say, I'm happy to be in God's house. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Great to see all of you. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. Our guest here today, welcome. Thank you so very much for coming. Those of you joining us on uh, Facebook Live, live stream, thank you so very much. We're thankful to have you a part of our service here today as well. I'd like to just remind you quickly of a couple of things this coming Tuesday morning uh, at 10 o'clock is uh, prayer. Those of you that could come, please come and uh, cry out to the Lord for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. And then our 21 days of sacrifice continues, and uh, we're expecting to see amazing things happen. Uh, things are already beginning to happen uh, as a result of that, and we want them to continue. Uh, God just having his way and uh, doing great things among us. Thank the Lord. I want to come to you today. Uh, we're going to begin seeing a few revisions and changes and what have you here at Grace Church on campus and uh, to make you aware of some of these things that we're very, very excited about. Uh, I would like to mention uh, several people have asked, are we ever going to hear pastor preach again? I'm still thinking about it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're planning to return to the pulpit this coming Wednesday night and next Sunday. Uh, it's been a very welcome reprieve to be out of the pulpit for the past several weeks and uh, I believe God has spoken to my heart and you'll hear about that next Sunday uh, and where again we'll be seeing some changes I will let you know uh, that we are bringing back some of the old hymns uh, we've given some directive along that line thank you thank you very much for that uh, last week You'll remember the praise team saying, because he lives when they did, there was just the spirit of the Lord swept through here. It was just absolutely amazing. Uh, today you'll hear another course way from the past. It's been interesting watching our young people. They don't, they, they can't participate on some of these songs, but they'll learn them. Yes, they will, the Lord willing. So um, I'm very happy to announce that our Brother Dave is going to be conducting youth service once a month. At this point, it'll be just one Wednesday night a month uh, for our young people. We're very excited about that. And uh, again, next, next Sunday, I'll be introducing something that I believe is going to be very huge uh, to Grace Church. And I think we're going to, I believe, and I'm very confident that we're going to begin seeing some amazing things happen uh, in the very near future. I feel strongly that God spoke to my heart actually this week, and you'll be hearing a little bit more about that um, this coming Sunday, Lord willing. Okay, everybody here today that's ages 4 through 9, would you stand up if you're ages 4 through 9? If you're not sure, ask your mama and daddy. They'll tell you how old you are. All you 4 through 9-year-olds. Now, the next thing I want you to do is I want all of you to come down here and just stand right here in front of the pulpit and just... We have a very, very special announcement. Y'all hurry up. Don't look at me like you don't know what to do. Come stand right here in front of the pulpit, right here. Hurry up. Don't run. Hurry, but don't run. No running, but hurry. Y'all hurry up, but no running. Hurry up. That's right, but no running. 
There you go. Oh, boy. I'm just going to sit here and wait and wait and wait on Cohen. There you go. But they're not running. But what happened to face the pulpit? What happened to that directive? Y'all turn around and look at me. Brad, I don't know what to do here, man. I just... All right, there you go. We have a wonderful announcement, and your parents are going to be so excited. We have a free six-week-old kitten waiting for all of y'all in the lobby after church today. I'm kidding. Guess what's coming back on Wednesday night, the first Sunday in September? Kids' church is coming back. What, that's it? Nothing? Yay! Oh, this ain't working. Y'all need to go back to your seat and come back up here. No, no, don't, don't. I'm just kidding. Hey, 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 hey. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, hey, I'll just stay here. I'm going to announce this again, and I want to see some excitement and some enthusiasm. Kids Church is coming back the first Wednesday night of September. Woo! Y'all feed your kids breakfast or something? Did they did not eat their sugar or something this morning? Or have you trained them when you come to church on Sunday morning? You sit like a statue, like me. God, that wasn't necessary. What I believe by he's uh he's had enough of this, huh? Okay, see you, dude. Enjoy it. <laughs> okay, y'all can return to your seat. And I'm kidding about the kittens. But maybe one Sunday we won't be kidding about the kittens. Uh, seriously, Sister Christy Nose has done an amazing job putting together a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful staff of people uh, to so we can uh, begin Kids Church on Wednesday nights beginning uh, the first Wednesday in September, which is September the 1st. And uh, we're going to be using a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful curriculum actually produced by the United Pentecostal Church. It'll make it real easy for the staff to do this. And uh, I do want to mention that only adult staff is the only ones we need in kids' church. All other adults need to be in adult church, which is down here where you're sitting right now. This is adult church on Wednesday night kids church is going to be somewhere else if you're not staff and you're an adult you need to be in here does everybody understand that okay uh so we're real excited about this we will also be using our jv team uh to assist and to help uh in kids church and i know some of them are very very excited about that and uh if your child has turned 11 and is not a part of the jv team and would like to be if they're 11 and up uh, we have a little form that you can look at. If you can talk to Sister Landry about that, she can get that to you. And then also send you a list of all the areas where we uh, solicit help from our JV team, those that already are participating or doing an amazing job. Uh, they're all over the building. They're in our media booth. Some are participating in music. Others are participating in Sunday school. We're going to be uh, using them in our nursery. 
uh, here very, very shortly. So a lot of great things happening at Grace Church, and we're very thankful for that. And everybody said amen. All you kids, remember Kids Church coming first Wednesday night of September. Let's enter our worship set. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to be just sit back and relax. This is a time to give God the glory and honor that he is worthy of. Clap your hands to the Lord again as we begin to worship the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the Yeah. 
Beyond the barren place, beyond the ocean away. 
that's your prayer today, hallelujah. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star, hallelujah. And I've come to worship him today. I've come to worship him today. Oh, yeah. Great and great that you be praised. Hallelujah. There's a
of God in this place this morning. It's, it is rich and thick, and I know that it's here for you. I'm going to read my text a little bit later, but first I want to say how much I appreciate this church and all that it has done for myself, my family. We have a great pastor, and I love him dearly. Amen. And I, I appreciate working with all the men and women in the ministry. 
leadership of this church. They are incredibly talented and, and, and intimidating almost in how talented and, and on fire for God that they are. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. But before we do, I have been given leave by Pastor to ask you to pray for my wife Ethel's parents. They have been struggling this week severely, severely with illness in their lives, both of them. And I know that I serve a God that can touch their bodies. And they have confidence in the prayer of God's people. Let's go to the Lord and pray for the remainder of this service. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sweet presence of your spirit here. It is comforting, dear God. We ask you to move in the lives of others' parents, Lord Jesus. Let them, Lord God, be witness to your power and presence manifested in their life, Lord Jesus. Touch them, lift them up, restore them. Lord God, I come in, Lord Jesus, and yield this beautiful congregation into your hands for the remainder of this meeting, Lord Jesus. Move, Lord God, as you will, dear Jesus. In your precious and holy name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Sister Casey. I appreciate that. I know that, um, I know that some of you are moving forward with your plans for the day already. You see me stand behind the pulpit and you're like, well, that's a probably an hour. So we're going to have to change those dinner plans, maybe, those lunch plans maybe. And I understand that. But I asked you not to cast your mind beyond these doors just yet. Don't think about what you're going to do after this service. Because I, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible this morning. I know my wife cringes when I say that, but the reason is I am going to simply deliver a message to you, but God is the one that's going to do the work. He is going to be the one that does the change in your life if you will let him. And I pray as I preach this morning and as I deliver this relatively short message, I pray that you... If you could close your eyes just for a moment, and I, I know the presence of God is here. I know that we have his eye and his attention, and I am so humbled by it. I pray that you visualize that presence, visualize the Lord in whatever way you can, walking in these aisles, passing by you. I ask you to do that because it's relevant to the message that I'm going to preach. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a very interesting aspect of, of human behavior that I've noticed and I have frequently participated in. The thing is that we like, we like to observe, don't we? We like to watch, we like to observe the dynamic conditions of other people. Take a look around. The church, go ahead, you can do it. I'm watching you. I know if you're doing it or not. That's not the first time you've done that. You've noticed these people before. You're, they're watching you. We like to observe the dynamic conditions of other people. We are drawn to the spectacle of human experience. We are interested in the struggles and the triumphs of those that toil within the shared framework of the human condition. I know that you go through the same things that I do. And you can rest assured, 
I go through the same things that you do. The fact is, I'm an unabashed people watcher, as many of you are. People fascinate me. I watch people, not in a creepy way. Don't say that. Don't think that. But I watch people. I used to like to watch people in airports whenever I used to travel. I still do. I, I would watch people in airports because people don't know how to dress for travel anymore. I do not know what's going through people's minds. It is entertaining, though. I, I can remember, I don't know how much this has to do with my message, but it's interesting. I'm going to share it with you. I remember I was very young, and I was going with a, uh, I was very young, I was maybe 12. I was going to the airport to pick up someone, and as I was approaching this person, this person that we were, my uh, parent and I were going to pick up, was a physically intimidating person. He, he was very, very strong, military. He was covered in body art, I guess they call it now. And it, it wasn't, he wasn't angry at the time, but he just looked that way all the time. And I remember there was an individual, I'm not a celebrity person, but there were, how many of you, raise your hand if you know who Mary Lou Retton is. I've got like six people my age that's done that. For those who do not know, Mary Lou Retton was a very, very accomplished gymnast who won several medals back in the 1984, ancient history, 1984, prior to your birth and existence, kids. She was very, very accomplished. And I saw her coming, and I recognized her because I'd watched the Olympics. And she was approaching this individual, and I sat back and watched. And they were going to pass right by him. Instead, as they approached, they stopped, went all the way around, and then kept going. To me, that's fascinating behavior. The spectacle of human experience, what people do. We have all witnessed the spectrum of human activity and, and reaction, as well as, as well as walked along in life with those that we have observed. The peculiarities of human behavior... The variations of reaction and conduct within different circumstances are both informative and, as I just illustrated, they're pretty entertaining, especially in airports. Although, to be honest, you can see just as strange of things anywhere other than the airport now. So, But there is another place, another environment of our lives that we have become satisfied as simple spectators, as only observers. An area of our lives that is more substantive and far more important than simple entertainment and curiosity. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that we have become spectators and observers only within the kingdom of God. Children of the Most High in this, current, in this current moment in time have been reduced to being satisfied with observation without fulfillment. And that, ladies and gentlemen, at Grace Church needs to end. There has got to be a breakthrough in the body of Christ. A transition from just observation and mental assent and acknowledgement that God is real and He's there until to a place where that reality is manifested in our lives. We have got to step out 
of that position of observing something from afar and allowing the power of God to manifest in our lives. In contemplation of today's message, I could not get the following scriptural narrative that we're about to meet uh, along with its implications out of my thoughts. I, you know, I was going to pre preach something and I, you know, but it kept coming back to my mind and 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 I have to be honest with you, I mentioned the pastor before church. Something did not want me to preach this, and I think it's for certain people here. The text is one that is very well known to those who have even a cursory knowledge of the Bible. In it we, in it we see the miraculous work of Jesus in the life of an individual in need. But that interaction, that, that beyond just the healing sheds light on more than God's power to heal. This passage is unusual in that it gives insight not, into not only the individual being healed by Jesus, but into the circumstances surrounding the encounter. The scripture that I'm speaking of is found in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. If you'll read with me, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, the holy city. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a multitude, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water he troubled the water to give an indication that something was about to happen whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had and a certain man was there this huge multitude of people there was a certain man which had an infirmity 38 years 38 years, almost four decades. And when Jesus saw him lie there and knew he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, he went up to this man and said, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. I, I don't have anybody. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but, I, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith to him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. This is a beautiful story. And I've heard it preached in so many different ways. But the Lord quickened something to my mind I'd like to share with you this morning. We see in this snapshot of time, 2,000 years ago, a mass of humanity drawn to a single place. The people filling the five porches surrounding this pool are not there because of the feast. They were there the day before the feast. And they were there the day before that. They were there the Sunday before, the Wednesday before, the Sunday before that. They are compelled to this geographical point within the sacred city of Jerusalem by a uniting factor, and that is the overwhelming needs in their lives. They were manifest 
obvious needs in their lives. They are brought together not only by the need, but by the history of fulfillment represented in that particular place. Somebody told them, hey, hey, you go by the pool of Bethesda. Something happens there. I can't explain it really. But I know that you're, that, 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 that you're blind, that you can only see out of one eye, that you're crippled. If you go there, something might happen for you. There was established in that place a precedent. It was spoken among the crippled bodies and the diseased, ravaged lives. If you go to that pool, to that body of water, you might find the relief that you need. Someone may have explained to them that in that place, there is sometimes a union between the divine and the mundane. This atmosphere at the pool, this environment was for them a place of potential restoration and renewal. There was an understanding within that culture that if you went to the pool named Bethesda and observed, if you sat and you watched and you waited, if you were very attentive, if you looked at the water, then you might see it start to ripple it at some point and it will start to move and inexplicably it's not supposed to do that and when you see that you move as fast as you can to get your toe in that water because there's the possibility of the miraculous verse 4 says again for an angel went down on a certain season into the pool and troubled the waters whosoever then first after the troubling of that water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an interesting parallel between this scripture and the age in which we live. Very interesting parallel. You see, we have places, we have places like this in our times as well. And, and, and the places that we have, Sister Murphy, they have signs out front. They have a marquee out front. Sometimes they even have a little pithy saying that goes along with it. Some of these signs denote the denomination that they represent. Those places, ladies and gentlemen, are called churches. We call them houses of God. And they are filled with people as well. People, precious souls that come in with an expectation with their bodies being broken. But oftentimes you can't tell what that problem may, may be. Their pain in their lives may be hidden behind the affluence of their lives or camouflaged with nice clothing or a brittle smile. But they come and they congregate because somebody told them there was a history of something that happens in that place. I heard about if you went to that place, that church, and if you paid attention, something would begin to happen. And if you move in the right direction, you can have a miracle. I 
heard that every once in a while in those places called churches, somebody finds what they need. Surrounding this place back in Jerusalem of divine intervention and expression, in, there were those who season after season, year after year, came with renewed expectation of change. I'm assuming that, that, that they may have known each other by name. I, hey, hey, John, I, I see your limp is just as bad as it was last season. I'm glad to see you here. This pool of water that was part of the fabric of Jerusalem's culture was a place that represented hope which attracted those who needed it most. Do you see some parallels, ladies and gentlemen? They languished in their pain, bound together in common need, waiting and watching for the troubling of the water. Thinking within themselves that if not this season, then perhaps, perhaps the next one. I, I didn't get what I needed. Somebody else was... Somebody else got their blessing. It wasn't me. So I'll, I'll come back next season. I'll observe a little more closely. I'll be a little more attentive. It becomes a habit. Within this throng of fractured bodies was one specific man who for 38 years, 38 years had been simply a spectator, a spectator to the miracles of other people. Now I know within this body of Christ there are people that have, have experienced the miraculous move of God in their lives. And I know within the same congregation there are those of you that need the miraculous manifestation of God's presence in your life. And sometimes you look across the aisle and you look at that person and you gain confidence from it. But you leave this place the same way you came. And that has got to end. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It seems that this man whose name we've never been given, it seems that he had become accustomed, accustomed to the weight of his affliction. He put it on every morning. It was part of his identity. And he brought it to his church. The pool of Bethesda for him was only a place of observation. This nexus point of miraculous transformation always for this precious man represented unfulfilled potential in his life. I would think that over a period of time he began to resent the pool. Because every time he went, he left the same way he came. Beware, Grace Church, of that mindset entering into your life about this place. I believe some who enter this building share this sentiment. Perhaps your experience in this year, in 2021... The church experience has become one of unrealized expectation. This lame man, our physically broken friend who was perpetually on the fringe of the pool, I'm assuming this man had stories 
of that blind man who had his experience with the divine and left those five porches with perfect vision. I bet he remembered that. I bet you that fueled his desire to get, get there the next day. Or that leper who exited the water with a body restored from the ravages of that alienating disease. That man wasn't a leper anymore. He got into the pool. He was blessed and healed and moved. Something, God did something for him. He no doubt could recount the wonders of a miraculous touch in the bodies of those who shared with him expectation and need. Yet each year, each decade, he left with a body as feeble as when he came. He was in the right place, but that place was a simple vantage point for the realization of the divine in someone else's life. This man with the broken body became a fixture at a place that held promise, but for him it became a place of observation, not fulfillment. My question to you today is very simple. What is this place to you? What does it represent to you? What were your expectations when you walked through those swinging doors in the back? What were your expectations of God whenever you turned into the, the parking place and when you parked your car? Have you become so used to the church experience that you're already casting your mind forward to what you're going to do in your work week the next, this upcoming week? Are you thinking about your interactions with family a little bit later in the day? Are you not even interested in what happens at the altar? Has this become, instead of church pews, just the stands like a spectator sport? Because you've seen it so many times. We live in a world, in a culture, that has a knowledge of the divine, a history of the miraculous. The core concept of Christianity is rooted in the reality of God. It is. We have within the lineage of our belief the champions of faith. Men and women whose lives were marked by the fingerprints of God. We can point to them. They may be members of our own family. The church of the living God appropriately draws those with shattered lives and broken hearts and fractured bodies. People who are alienated from the Lord because of the sin-stained life. They enter our buildings because of the promise of relationship and redemption. Because of the history of the move of God within these walls. And yet within this environment of divine restoration, there are those who remain on the periphery existing in a perpetual state of observation. They've become comfortable in the pew watching what goes on. They acknowledge the work of God in the lives of those around them. They may even rejoice in the demonstration of God's benevolent hand in, a person, in the person across the aisle. But they leave the atmosphere of the divine just as empty as when they came. This place that we call the house of God has become an observatory for them 
to someone else's fulfillment. And again, that has got to stop. We live in an era where some have relegated church to an experience that is to be observed with a diminished expectation of the actual miraculous move of God in the individual's life. It really doesn't matter to us if something dynamic happens in the service. Because we know we got it mapped out. We're going to have some announcements. We're going to have a few songs. Brother Ben's going to go up there and preach for an hour and a half. And then we're finally going to go home. I'll fool you today. It'll be an hour. We've got it mapped out in our minds. At no place and at no point, unfortunately, within our expectations do we think about lingering in the beautiful presence of God that I feel here until that burden that you've become familiar with begins to be lifted from you so that your step is a little bit lighter and you have a hope when you leave the building. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What are our expectations? So we live in that era. We have individuals whose lives are shipwrecked. They're drawn to places. They're drawn to places that promote the truth of God with the attendant verification of His manifest presence. And yet even in those environments, that person walks out the door with a shrug, thinking, well, maybe next season. Maybe next Sunday, maybe next Wednesday. What are our expectations when we enter into the apostolic environment that is saturated with the presence of Jesus? What are our expectations? Do we just want it to end? Get back to the burden? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm talking to somebody here today, and I could go pick you out of the crowd if I needed to. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do we come through the doors in eager anticipation of the divine move of the Lord in our lives? Or do we simply expect another service? Do we leave quickly after a service? Because we don't come expecting the miracle or that personal interaction with Jesus we just come expecting the service. And when the service is over, our expectations have been met, so we just leave. Grace Church, this is not an entertainment venue. I am not up here to tickle your ears or to make you smile or to get you to clap. What I'm dealing with right now is deadly serious and has eternal consequence. God loves you. And He is standing in front of you today. And He's going to ask you a question before you walk out those doors. And you have better have the right answer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There was a man 2,000 years ago who had resigned himself to live life perpetually on the outskirts of the divine. It seems that he had accepted the vantage point of looking from the exterior into something beautiful. 
He was a man with a crippled body and an anemic faith. But then, but then something, he had, he had developed this pattern in his life. He had gone to church every day. He had shouldered the burden for 38 years. He had gone from one divine experience to the next with the same burden. But then he had an encounter with Jesus. When Jesus saw him lie there and and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, will you be made whole? This simple question cut through 38 years of personal frustration and grudging acceptance of a diminished life until next season. Will you be made whole? Carry with it the insinuation that a life-altering counter could take place on the outside of the pool. This man's reality of divine potential was wrapped up in the history of his life. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus was standing in a place between him and the established pattern of his life and was asking him a very important question. What do you really want? Do you want to sit here another season to watch the water move or do you want me to heal you? Let me ask somebody today, do you want just another service? Do you want to come in and hear some very talented and anointed people sing Or do you want an experience with God? Do you want to be moved into something new, something real, something transformative? Do you want to leave this place broken, broken through that barrier that has carried carried you from one place to another with diminished hope? Praise God, praise God, you can have it this morning. That is the will of God in this place today. Hallelujah. Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Yeah, absolutely, Jesus. Absolutely. Where have you been? No, that is not what he said. I may know this man. Because he did not say that. I may have been this man at one time in my life. Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, very respectful to the Lord, it's good. Sir, I have no man. When the, when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, while I'm hobbling my way down there, somebody else jumps in the pool before me, and well, there you go. One season down, another one to come. I don't really blame this man for the excuses. I don't really blame him. Why? Because I've lived them sometimes. I've lived them. So have you. His answer to the call of Jesus was based on year after year of disappointment. It had created in him a framework that consisted of nearness to divine things without participating in divine things. I like the term Pentecostal. Those people are awesome. Let me go there. I don't experience it. I don't want to get too wrapped up in that. But man, those people know how to praise and worship and love God. I can imagine that as Jesus was asking him the question, 
was asking him this question. That that man was looking past the Lord, still trying to observe the pool. Hey, could you get out the way? I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch the water, sir. My question to you this morning is very, very simple. Will you be made whole? Stop looking at the pool. Stop thinking about the service. Stop critiquing the lights or the sound or the media. They're perfect, by the way. I'm just saying. Stop doing that. Listen to the question. Will you be made whole? Stop looking past the Lord who's standing in front of you so you can see the pool and answer the question. Will you be made whole? Or will you default back into the position of the spectator to divine things and leave another service carrying the same burden that you came with? Will you be made whole? Or will you be satisfied with another typical service that starts at 11 and ends about 12.30 with you exiting the doors? You exiting the doors with the same broken marriage or the same horrific guilt or, or with that familiar old pain or, or go back, leave, and, 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 and to the home in utter turmoil. Or the unrealized ministry. Or any other thing that you have carried from one Holy Ghost to the next. Someone needs to hear the voice of God speaking to you this morning. Rise up, my child. Take up your bed and start walking. This is the instruction of Jesus to a man who brought his bed. He brought his bed. He brought his bed to a place of healing so that he could be comfortable until the next time he came. This man was accustomed to the position of observation, not the position of fulfillment. How many of us bring our beds to church? We get real comfortable in the pew. Because by, you know, after all, we're going to be back next Sunday doing the same thing. This man had created a routine associated with his hope. And it did not really include the reality of God. His routine, that rut that he was in, it didn't really include the Lord. How many of us accepted an anemic experience with the Lord, deferring the encounter with Christ until tomorrow? Because we don't have faith for it today. How many of you have created religious routines in your life? Because those routines are easier to manage than a life marked by trust and dependence on your Creator and Savior. This is the actual reality that you're facing. This is what you're facing. Jesus disrupts the status quo of our lives. He steps in between us and that familiar routine and asks those uncomfortable questions. He asks you, will you be made whole? Will you actually follow me? Will you be obedient to me?
And the entire time that the, go, the Lord is asking us those questions, we have a, we have a bag of routines and religious experiences and ex religious expectations that don't include Jesus. I'm getting relatively close to the... Uh, I told you it wasn't going to be... I have no idea how long I've been preaching. Oh, i got a minute left. Wait, three minutes left. There is a threat that exists in remaining in the position of the observer to divine things without engaging in them, without submitting to God's overture to us. And that threat is that we will begin to prefer that position. The position on the margins of relationship to Jesus may begin to appeal to us, may actually begin to be preferable. So we need to ask ourselves the hard questions this morning. Have we become satisfied with seeing the move of God in the lives of others rather than seeing it in our own? Or occasionally, are we, are we satisfied with occasionally feeling the presence of God as others worship? Does being a witness to another person's walk with the Lord, does that appeal to us more than, than actually having our own? Have we become so desensitized to the distance between ourselves and God that we feel being around holy things is all that's needed? Making this determination as a spectator laying on a cripple's bed. Jesus says to this church, to the church in Laodicea in Revelations, something fascinating. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. He's telling this to a church. In our religious experience, we have become very adept at constructing a door between ourselves and the Lord that should never exist. Should never exist. This door is unfortunately constructed from the materials found the materials of diminished and deferred expectations. It is a barrier built by piece by piece through ever-increasing apathy toward dynamic, vibrant relationship with God. We fool ourselves into thinking we don't really need it. I'll tell you something. The reality is that crippled man would have died a crippled man if it had not been for Jesus. Verse 9 of our text, this man who had lived nearly four decades within a paradigm of deficiency was faced with the fulfillment that had eluded him. Verse 9, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. His perception of God had been changed because of his encounter with Christ. He no longer stood on the outside and looked in. He now existed beyond simple observation let me tell you something of a few few dangers and I'm kind of winding down it'll take me about 35 minutes but I'll get there just kidding let me tell you of a few dangers that face us today 
the first issue that we are encountering is, a, is in religious structures that allow people a sense of contentment on the margins. I don't want you to be comfortable on the outside looking in. I don't want you to come to this church and be comfortable in your sin or with the weight of your burden. There needs to be a change. Churches, denominal churches have adopted alternate doctrines and have distorted biblical truths in order to make those who are positioned as spectators comfortable. Services are conducted throughout this nation in a manner that provides a product that approximates the dynamic reality of God without His actual presence. This is done, I believe, so that those standing in postures of observation can remain comfortable in observation and never feel challenged to submit to a change. The most beautiful thing about the story, the pool of Bethesda, is that Jesus got in the man's face and gave him the opportunity. Somebody here needs to hear the voice of God. You need to be obedient to the presence of the Lord. Jesus is in your face this morning asking you a question. See, that, that crippled man laying in the pool by the pool of Bethesda had become accustomed to a position and paradigm that placed him always on the exterior. He saw the limitations of his body, the proportions of his problem, created for him a distance that kept him in the position of observer to the miraculous. That problem's too big. But I sure like what happened to Brother Billy. He got a good blessing. Because of this, his perception of the divine, of divine potential was tethered to himself rather to God. Rather than to God. His experience was bound to his lack of sufficiency. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to come here with a plan. Jesus didn't ask the man, how will you be made whole? He simply asked him, will you be made whole? I'm not asking you to come up to this in just a few moments. I'm not asking you to come up here and tell me what your plan is to get out of the situation you're in. I'm just asking you to come up here and listen to the voice of God when he asks you, will you be made whole? And just say yes. Don't come up with an excuse. Don't come up with a reason. Don't tell him about your history. Just say yes. It's simple. I don't have to come slap you on the head with some anointing oil. I know that's a very Pentecostal thing to do, Sister Casey. I, I've never slapped anybody on the head, by the way gentle touch but I don't have to do that I will but God can do the work come somebody say it God can do the work say it God can do the work someone needs to realign your mind with the truth of God's Word Ephesians 3 10 through 12 says so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be now may made known to the, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, 
is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, in whom we have boldness. Please stand. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. This church does not exist to entertain you. This experience does not need to be one of distance, distant, detached observation. You do not need to leave this environment burdened under the familiar weight of that soul sickness that you brought in. You are being asked this morning a simple question that proceeded out of the mouth of Jesus 2,000 years ago, spoken into the ear of a man who had an established pattern of quiet, desperate deferment. I don't know what's going to happen next Sunday. But I know what can happen this Sunday. Will you be made whole? Someone needs to hear the voice of Christ as He speaks an invitation that does not require a return trip because someone else stepped in front of you. Come to me, all you who, are la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not the pool, not the service, not the church. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We just heard a good message about that. Do not wait for next week's service. Do not defer until next week, ladies and gentlemen. Your pathway to redemption and help has been established by the blood of Jesus. And yes, it was established for you. Hebrews 4 and 16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Why do you remain on the periphery when you have been given access to the throne of God? This is your moment for a breakthrough. As they sing, I am going to gently ask you to make your way down to this front. There is no special power in this part of the carpet. It doesn't matter that you're near the guitar playing a Brother Jonathan. What matters is when you raise your hand, you begin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What matters is you begin to listen for the voice of Jesus Christ as He asks you this morning, will you be made whole? Will you allow me to move your life from the place that it's in with constant frustration and deferred divine things to a move of my spirit that can mend your marriage that can heal your body, that can move your child closer to me, that can save your soul. I don't care how many times you come before the Lord, you come differently this morning. And you let Him begin to move. You let Him begin to heal you. And you speak for that invitation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Oh 